Monday night live stream on Texas football brought to you by the fellows at the Crossover Group. We appreciate them each and every Sunday night live stream. I also appreciate the great Rod Babers and the great Jerry Hamilton for joining me too. Uh, wouldn't be able to do that without these guys. Uh, appreciate y'all guys very much uh, for doing this. And I, I tell you what, at about 1115 uh, this morning, uh, the Longhorns got a, they, they got a, a hallelujah, amen. I wonder how many, I wonder in church, how many men were sitting there checking their phones while the preacher was giving his sermon. Jordan Washington, tied in commitment. I talked to him earlier today. He's like, I was in church right when the sermon was going. My notification went off that the, from ESPN that the playoff was set. And he was like, I, I thought about not look, but I had to look at it. I had to look at it. <laughs> hey, guys, I put money on it that there's at least one preacher, one pastor somewhere in the great state of Texas that during that sermon, they thought, they, they said, you know what? We're going to give praise to the Lord, but also hook them horns because they're in the college football playoff. I know there was one preacher out there that did it. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> All right, Chris Cotter comes in early with a super chat. Let's start it here, guys. This is going to be a little bit of a free-for-all tonight. We got, we do have some news to share with you guys to bring you up to date on. There's been some recruiting movement. There's a guy visiting at Texas, get in-home visits, et cetera. We got uh, Jeff Choate, according to Bruce Feldman, looking at the uh, Nevada job or the favorite. Uh, a lot of stuff to go over here. Chris Connor says, boys, life's good when the football is good. To be better prepared for UW's receivers, would it be possible – to take a good corner with gun, good run support skills like Watts and move him to safety. Is it is there enough time, Rod B, in the off in in a, a one month run up to do that with somebody like Ryan Watts? It'd be tough with a full position change for a guy like Ryan Watts. It's not out of the realm to throw. I mean, you're definitely going to have some tendency breakers, right? There's going to be some things Texas throws at Washington that none of us have seen on film. All right, that is just that's it's gonna happen on offense and on defense. They got so long to prepare, and there's so much at stake. Uh, but I, I don't think that's it. And my man uh Paul brought this up and and I, I brought it up earlier in the year. You may see them go to a different sub package though defensively. You may Texas has not thrown out dime, they may throw out some dime package, or you may see a different variation of that blackwell package. Remember, that's kind of a quasi-dime when they go nickel and then they got blackwell out there. They consider that basically his they're at five and a half deep on the field with him out there you may see a different variation of that considering the tendency of washington but the thing about it and jerry brought this up too washington has put on film now both multiple times in big games that they can run the football and will commit to the run they've done it now twice we saw it saw it against usc all right saw it against Oregon. they will commit to the run so you can't totally abandon your game plan to stop the run but this is the beauty of what texas has they can stop the run with the light box with Tavondre Sweat, with Byron Murphy, because they got one of the best fronts in all of college football. They might have to rely on stopping the run with a light box going up against this Washington squad. All right, guys, we've got a lot of news and notes to get to. I want to start by saying thanks to our sponsor. Uh, each and every Sunday night live stream is brought to you by the fellas at the Crossout Group. Uh, the Crossout Group uh, is, uh, if, if you don't know about them, they are a lobbying research firm. Uh, that actually works with people in government and businesses if they have uh, things they want to get done in government. 
Uh, basically, they're a lobbying group out of Austin. Uh, big Longhorn fans as well, and we appreciate them very much. Uh, they're uh, being they're a, the Sunday night sponsor each and every Sunday night, and they've been sponsoring us this entire year. Uh, we appreciate them so much. All right, let's go forward here now that we got it going. Let's start, uh, Matt. You had brought up something uh, that I thought was very interesting, uh, and you have that tweet now uh, from Bruce Feldman, uh, Matt, our producer behind the scenes here. Bruce Feldman, source, Texas co-defensive coordinator Jeff Choate has emerged as the top target for the Nevada head coaching vacancy. Uh, the 53-year-old was 11-4 in his last season at Montana State in 2019. As the head coach there, he, of course, had a previous relationship with Pete Kwiatkowski. Uh, the two got get along famously, but this may be an opportunity uh, for him to move up from a Montana State head coaching job, Jerry, where he was doing a good job for the Bobcats, uh, to a Nevada team uh, that, uh, you know, has had its run. Chris Alt used to be the head coach there with Colin Kaepernick and that group. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris, Chris Alt, by the way, is on the playoff committee. The former yeah, Nevada. Yeah. He invented, Chris Alt, people don't remember this, Nevada ended, uh, invented the pistol. Yes, sir. Yes, you sir. Do that, Rob? Yeah. And the interesting thing about that, how about this little connection in Texas? Chris Alt, he goes after his time in Nevada, goes to uh, Kansas City with Andy Reid, actually, and becomes a consultant. And Andy Reid introduces the pistol to the NFL, and it blows up whose career? And that tells it blows up in a good way. Jamal Charles. Oh, yeah. Jamal Charles running out of that pistol. And, oh, man, the NFL didn't know how to how to really attack it or defend it. And it was a big part of why Jamal Charles actually right now has a Hall of Fame candidacy. Shout out. Uh, there you go. Hey, there look, you go, look, I know that Texas fans, oh, we don't want the staff uh, to break up. Uh, but, look, this is good. This is These are all good things for Texas. Mm -hmm. That means you have coaches that are in demand. If Sark had nine defensive assistants and nobody got offered a new D-line D job or O-line job for a lot more money or head coaching jobs, you know, then these guys, Rick Barnes said it best. I want assistants that, one, other colleges want to hire as head coaches and, two, have aspirations to be head coaches. Basketball is different than football. Because there are some guys that are just the the position coach they are, and they're always going to be that uh, to a certain extent. But that's it's no different. It's no different. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian wants guys that are motivated to go do the same thing he's doing. Yep. Let that's me ask you all this. There's, I, I agree with you. I think Jeff Choate, if he gets this job, great for him. They're going to be linebacker coaches out there. He's done a tremendous job at Texas by that. The development yes. of DeMarvian overshone last year where Overshone really never had played linebacker. Think about where Jalen Ford was three years ago. I mean, he's Don't done it. Don't forget Bender. We thought Bender was a lost cause. Yep. <laughs> Bender now a contributor. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, absolutely. So he he's done yeoman's work. This isn't us wishing him off by any stretch. Just I yeah. want to make sure everybody understands that. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I think, Jerry, you know, when I think about, you know, guys jumping, you don't want them doing what Elijah Robinson just did at Texas A&M, <laughs> uh, the defensive line coach for the Aggies that has been the haymaker or the rainmaker, actually is a better word, uh, in recruiting, is off to Syracuse. He has been the guy that tied it all together for the Aggies. Now he's going to be uh, up in Syracuse instead. What's going to happen with all those defensive linemen when the portal opens tomorrow? 
Well, that's going to be the that's, key. That's look. not good news or timing for the now, no, look, and I think uh, I think Elijah wanted to be the D coordinator and make that natural move towards being a head coach at AM. I think uh, Elko wanted to bring Santucci. That was the first option. So what did it happen? Elijah Robinson gets offered the D.C. job at Syracuse for Fran Brown. Yep, that's the move for the next move for your career. You don't stay and continue to be the D-line coach. To Bobby's point, I spoke with somebody about 20 minutes ago. Ashton Holloman, you were right on Bama. I was wrong. I picked George over Bama. I do want to give Ashton Holloman his, his props. Yes, I always give <laughs> props. Um, because, look, we're going to be wrong, uh, and I always will own it. Um, and, look, uh, I, I would say this. A&M, and now, by the way, I spoke to someone close to the Jasper High School football program. They say Ty Anthony Smith's locked in with Texas A&M. So I think Texas fans can pretty much uh, forget about that one. Uh, A&M lost a D-line commit, but that's Relaford, Gabe Relaford for Shreveport Evangel Christian. He was already trending to LSU um, after the coaching change. Uh, so that one was likely to happen. The key for A&M, it's not the guys committed. It's Walter Nolan. It's Fadil Diggs from New Jersey. It's Shamar Stewart from Miami. Hmm. What? How many of those guys can AM keep? And that's the key. Uh, the, the corner Chappelle. How many of these guys can they keep from hitting the portal? But is that Chappelle going pro? Do what? Chappelle's not going pro necessarily. And he has the ability to play another year. Um, okay. You know, uh, so could, could could Fidel Diggs go pro? Yeah. Could he opt to go somewhere else? Hey, it might. Um, but how many of those guys are they going to keep or lose? Uh, because that's going to be big for them headed into the spring uh, and next season because they ha they do have some really, really, really high-end defensive line talent. Um, so if they start losing those guys to the portal, I'm not saying they are. We'll see. I can tell you this. Um, while the AM you know, collective should be recruiting based focus right now. They're focused on retention. They need to be. They lost Cam Coleman, their five-star re receiver, top recruit in their class to, to Auburn on Friday. Uh, Jerry, let's stay with recruiting. I, 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 I want to say this on Dom McKinley. Somebody brought up his name. No communication with Texas in the last uh, 72, 96 hours, anything like that. So even when people started hearing this was pr pr probable or possible, uh, th there hasn't been any communication uh, with Texas. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Hey, what about this? I mean, Jerry, Texas, so we, we heard Texas would be – coaches would be on the road visiting Kobe Black, the defensive back out of Waco. Connolly, can you uh, bring us up to date on that? Yeah, Steve Sarkeesian, uh, we broke that on Inside Texas uh, today. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian uh, and I believe Terry Joseph, maybe even another defensive coach, are have, making an in-home visit with uh, Kobe Black and his family tonight. Obviously, Kobe – is set to announce December 13th, 10 days from today. And I, I think Texas is the heavy favorite. I don't think anything's changed there. Um, Texas staff will be on the road. I also put it out on Inside Texas uh, earlier today uh, that uh, Kyle Flood's going to modern day, expected at modern day um, mm. in the next couple of days. And that will be a last kind of mini swing, I think, at DeAndre Carter, who's committed to Auburn. Um, Auburn's a tough place to flip guys from. I mean, they just got Cam Coleman, right? I mean, TJ Lindsay, that's not happening with Texas. Uh, I, and I think Texas, I think the same thing will probably happen with DeAndre Carter. Uh, I think Auburn's a tough place to flip guys from right now. Um, but uh, I've been mentioned on Inside Texas and here 
um, that, uh, you know, Texas expected to go see Terrence Hibbler this week at some point. And so is Alabama um, and probably Auburn. Uh, but, uh, you know, Auburn keeping those other defensive linemen in their class helps uh, Texas and Bama there with Hibbler. We'll see if he actually reopens that recruitment. Um, they did at Mississippi State did keep the David Turner, a D-line coach, but I still think there's a chance uh, that, that he could, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, a chance that he could reopen his recruitment. If that happens, I think Texas and Bam are going to have a little battle there for a guy they both, for Hibbler, and they both really like his senior take. All right, uh, this is the Longhorn live stream brought to you by Crossover Group each and every Sunday night. We appreciate those guys. Uh, Rod, I'm going to let you answer this one from Elijah Booker because I think it's a good one here. Uh, does Texas get in if Alabama doesn't win? Does the playoff committee say, uh, we don't have to change, that we can just go with status quo and push Florida State and make them the fourth team, and it'll just be it, well, it'll just be four undefeateds? What do you think, Rod? Yeah, that- it's definitely something. I mean, I, that's why I was on the chaos theory, right? And uh, Paul Wadison brought it up earlier today. When you when Bama wins, they kind of open up a, a conversation that te- that puts Texas at the center of it because their only loss is to Texas. And then you have to re-examine Texas's resume as a result of the Bama win if you are going to indeed let Bama in. Uh, so I think they would have still gotten in because I think Florida State was going to be out. I, uh, Jerry's been on that for a while that there's no way they were going to let them in with the product that they were putting on the field offensively with the third string quarterback. They, even if you could, even if you go off the meritocracy because they were undefeated, and I agree, it is a, it, it, it feels bad. Like I feel the pain. All right. I yeah. empathize with the pain of those guys because everything you've been told about winning games and how it matters your entire life is since you feel like you've been lied to. It's like, we won the games. And it's like, it shouldn't even matter, right? We won the game. It's like, well, yeah, some actually there's some extenuating circumstances. So I get that. Um, but I, I think they wouldn't have let them in anyway. I think Florida State, after they had the injury to their starting quarterback, and then we watched their third string quarterback go out there and essentially, you know, run an inept offense. They and and watching Texas also blow out their last two opponents in impressive fashion on a championship stage, too. I just don't – I think the national conversation and discourse was way too strong in Texas' favor at that point. Interesting. All right, this one from Hookham from OKC. Rod Babers joins OTF. Texas wins Big 12s and makes playoff. Coincidence? I think not. Hookham. Hey, hey. I I agree there. I agree. Me and Jerry Jerry were here through the lean years, Rod. (laughs) (laughs) We were here through the lean years. You just – I'm going to say this. I'm going to blame – I'm, I'm gonna get the. I'm gonna put the credit to my baby girl Monroe. Hey, first time I had a baby in this in this life. If Texas wins the national title, the year I had a baby girl. Oh man, I don't. I, I, I'm gonna have to change some things, guys. I gotta say, she might be a good luck charm at that point. We gotta get it. I gotta talk to CDC about getting her into Texas. <laughs> Even hey. I can't afford it. <laughs> you may have to make may have to change your name to like Jalen or Adonai or something like that. Quinn. Hey, by the way, is that not hey, the best, I, is that not the best part about Texas making the playoff? Adonai Mitchell wins two national championships <laughs> at Georgia. He transfers to Texas. Texas gets in and Georgia's out. Crazy. Wow. And you know how many of his teams were like, you know how many of his teammates were saying, What are you doing? Tra-? I mean, seriously. Drive. Jerry, yeah. how many of his team were saying, what are you doing? They won eight games. They're not going to play for anything. 
Yeah. We're Georgia. We're the two time to do it. I mean, what are you doing? Hey, by the way, I know he'll probably go pro. He should be okay. the most. He should have the biggest NIL going. He should just enter the portal saying, who wants the winner, baby? <laughs> Everywhere I go, I go to the playoffs. Who wants to go to the playoffs? <laughs> hey, be quiet. The Aggies may actually have a chance that way. All right, hey, uh, this way, Michael Williams. Hook him, baby. Is Derek Williams available for the first half against Washington? Yes. Did he serve the half out in the second half against Oklahoma State? That, ha- that play happened actually the very first play of the second half so that wouldn't be it but uh, Jerry your thoughts on this because I know you had a specific yeah. Kind of thought yeah so here's the thing Texas will te- will appeal this uh, I think to the conference then the NCA right I think that's the, the protocol for that what what happens is let's just say it's denied because as Rod said by the letter of the law that was targeting um but so let's just say they deny it the way I understand it uh, is that he can take that suspension the first half of the first game of next year. It doesn't have to be postseason games. That's huge for Texas, especially considering you're playing Washington. I mean, so it, so if he takes that suspension, which he would, the first half of the first regular season game of 2024, um, then that is very good news for Texas. But they will, they will uh, appeal it, but I think they'll lose that appeal. I agree. But you think he's going to be available for the national championship? If I understand it correctly, yes. All right. Uh, Kyle Witherspoon, this is uh, something I think everybody agrees. Thanks for going over every CFP scenario with me this past week. I had a hard time keeping it all in my brain as well, Kyle. Thanks. Thanks for thanking us. But sometimes it was swirling around a little bit here uh, inside this one. Uh, But the bigger piece to this, Kyle, is this. The dream is realized, gents. He's right. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, you just got to be, I mean, you got to be smiling so big you can't see straight right now. You took over a team that was, did not have much talent. I mean, it was a C level, B minus level talent. You've made it into a college football playoff team in year three, won the big 12, you're 12 and one. And I tell you what, not only that, Arch Manning's still around. Next year, when Ewers has a decision uh, coming up, you've got guys in the pipeline like Anthony Hill, Derek Williams, Manny Muhammad, Jonte Cook, all those offensive linemen. Mm. You, you got to be smiling if you're Steve Sarkeesian right now, guys, because I know that this is a great team. I'm not I'm not going to you know, take anything away from that. But I still feel, Rod, that this is kind of like the 2001 Longhorns hmm. where – yeah. Y'all were really, really damn good. Y'all finished top five in the country, right? Yeah. But the best may be yet to come if he keeps building it, just like Mac was just starting to really build it back then with you guys. Yeah, and at the time, and you can attest to this too, you guys watched Mac evolve in, as a real in real time and become a championship Hall of Fame coach. You know, yep. Sark was not got here. Sark was – you know, barely above 500 as a coach. He had all the raw materials. He had all the potential to be an elite coach and a great coach. But he hadn't realized that just yet. CDC and Jay Hartzell hired him on the potential for him to be great. The combination of Texas resources, the talent at Texas, and his ability. And I'll give him credit. Year one to year two to year three. Even at the end of year three. Very different coach, Steve Sarkeesian. 
um, is than he was when he first got here. I think he's evolved and grown as a coach and a play caller. So I'll give him a ton of credit too. I don't think Texas is here if he doesn't become the best version of himself and start to ascend as a coach. I I agree. By the way, by the way, I'm rereading this based on somebody's comment in the comments. I do think uh, uh, Williams may not be able to play Washington game first half. Son of a. They're gonna have to appeal it. They have to appeal it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hey, Jerry, let's stay with you and let's stay in your area of expertise because this is a little different. You know, recruiting, my man. Us, us in the NCAA rules, that's not our high point. Jerry, <laughs> any word on Xavier Philsame? That's the now keep people in mind. This is the defensive back from McKinney that's been committed to Florida for a long time, made a midweek visit to Texas. Yeah. The week of the Texas Tech game, right? Jerry, what's what's the latest you've heard on him? Any movement in the last 72 hours? Uh not nothing, uh, nothing new on my end. Look, Texas will be there at uh, Florida. Uh, I think Billy Billy Napier and the defensive coordinator Armstrong are expected by McKinney High this week. Um, in home visit, in school visit, all that stuff. Um, Texas is expected this week um uh, to go by as well for an in-home visit possibility that he makes an official visit this next weekend. I don't think it's locked in yet. Possibility. Um, it could be a midweek, the next, the following week, but I do think in the next week to 10 days, there's a good chance. And I'm not saying it's locked in. There's a good chance that Xavier Phil Samen's back ends up back on the Texas campus. Obviously Florida had another defensive decommitment uh, this weekend. Uh, so I think things are moving with Texas uh, and Xavier Phil Samen. But they've just got to keep uh, moving it down. Uh, they got to keep that ball matriculating down the field in this one. It's a it's a it's a matriculation recruitment. It's not an instant thing. Interesting. Well, I mean, look, they have a couple weeks. That's December fifteenth is a National Signing Day. By the way, we got a, a big programming day that day for, ahead for you guys. We're going to uh, be live starting at seven a.m. on National Signing Day, going through I think to eleven a.m. Then we're going to get back on it uh, around noon and go through five o'clock. Uh, we'll. We'll be here listening in for Steve Sarkeesian and his press conference as well. This from KD35, I am the best. Anyone have an update on Tim Brando and Tim Weisner or Weiser to, to after today, both clowns. Look, uh, Brando said so many things in his life that are just wrong. That It's like a typical announcer that speaks a lot, you know. Uh, you're going to catch him every so often. I don't think he has necessarily ill will towards Texas. I certainly think that he likes to see the Baylors and the Texas Techs and the TCUs beat Texas every so often. He seems to be that underdog type of guy. As far as Wiser, this is the associate commissioner that said Texas liked to lose to Alabama more than they liked yeah. to lose to Kansas State. Uh, remember this guy. Yep. Yeah. Too yeah. bad for him. Didn't quite happen this year. <laughs> Boy, did it, buddy. All right, hey, Rod, I'm going to ask you this one. Uh, don't insult my name. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> Derek Wiser. <laughs> Hey, Rod, this one. Gundy's post-game presser. You know, live, they actually looked a lot better than on tape. Curious what you make of that comment. Yeah, that's a weird one because on tape, Texas actually looks pretty damn good too. Um, I will say this to Gundy's, uh, because I think Gundy actually may have been genuine. Maybe that wasn't a backhanded compliment. Maybe that was authentic. Texas red zone offense in that game was the best it had been all year long. If Texas had had some of their their you know red zone issues that had plagued them all year long, 
they may not blow Oklahoma State out like that. They may not blow them out by four touchdowns. They may blow them out by, you know, maybe still 14, 17 points, something like that, because they have these lapses, right? These issues, errors, mental errors, whatever. They Even in the Texas Tech game, guys, where they blew Texas Tech out, all three phases clicking. What did Texas still have issues with? Red zone. And so we just came to accept the fact that, hey, they're a great team, but, hey, man, they're bad at red zone. And we've been saying this for a while, and I brought it up, you know, early in the season. If Texas ever was just an average red zone team, hell, above average, man, they might be the best team in the country. Guys, if they actually fixed their – they were, what, a 5 of 5 in the red zone versus Oklahoma State, something like that? If that's the red zone offense you're going to get from Texas in addition to how explosive they are in between the 20s, ooh, that's, that's cooking with – so maybe that's what he's talking about. Maybe that's what he's yeah, talking about. I, I have a question here, and it kind of it goes hand in hand with that a little bit. Um, what about you know faster playing on turf indoors? Um, Xavier Worthy looked a little faster. You, you know what I mean by that? Keelan Robinson looked a little faster. Jaden Blue looked a little faster. I think there's some, and because there were some comments coming out of Oklahoma State that we think we're faster than Texas. That's crazy. I know, did anybody? I don't think that was ever from the players or coaching staff. To be fair, that was from people who cover Oklahoma State. Okay, what, what are right. they watching? Do they watch the games? Yeah, <laughs> anybody watch Oklahoma State this year and then watch Texas? I mean, they they can't make that comment. Seriously. Rocky Poor Inside Texas Moment of the Year has to be the Drew Kelson rant after Houston. I'm going to tell him you said that, Rocky. Uh, everyone's attitude attitude changed. Even Bobby, love what y'all do. Uh, we like Drew Kelson a lot too. Uh, you know, he's he's a, a solid guy all the way through, uh, and we'll t- definitely tell him. Thanks for that, Rocky. Uh, this one from Darkboard. Uh, there are times where staff turnover turnover was a bad thing. I agree. Imagine if we had Greg Robinson for as long as Beamer had Bud Foster. Now, the year after Greg Robinson left, Texas won the national championship with Gene T- Chizik. Now Chizik ended up having poor defenses the more he went on and. Clearly had a bad, has had bad ones at North Carolina for Mac the last several years. Um, but I, I I hear what you're saying. It's not – coaching turnover is not always good. You know, Robinson took the Syracuse head job, uh, like Dark Borg is trying to allude to there. I'm not saying it's the same, but uh, it's it's a, something interesting. All right, hey, uh, guys, Jerry, I want to ask you this. How long is the portal open this time of year? Do we know the exact – can somebody ask that or answer that question for us? And look at uh, it up. It's, uh, December 4th through January 17th. December 4th through January 17th? Yeah. Okay. So it's about roughly a month and a half. And that falls in line with spring semester when right. that gets going at most majority of colleges. All right. Here's another one that, that has been asked and I think is interesting. Will early signee recruits be able to practice travel to New Orleans with the team? My my thought on this is I've seen other teams do that. I, I believe the answer is yes. They didn't do it last year because it was the Alamo Bowl, right? But New Year's Day games a little bit different. So here's the there's a couple things there. The IMG grad, high school graduation, those guys graduate December 14th. Uh, in speaking with somebody close to uh, Jordan Johnson Bell, he does plan to go to Austin uh, be and take part in practice. We'll see if that actually happens. I talked to Trey Owens, Jordan Washington today. They don't enroll till January 13th, obviously, so they will not. I think your guys who are possibilities would be Jordan John Trebell, and I think he wants to do that, and Jarrett Gibson, assuming uh, he ends up signing with Texas. 
Hey, Jerry, does uh, just Joshua Xenia uh, has a good question here. Does Texas getting in the playoffs over Georgia move the needle any at all with Justin Williams or some of these other guys that the Bulldogs have come in here and take, taken from the state of Texas? You know, I, I I don't know. I don't think one win uh, is is a difference maker there. I mean, well, it's not just one win though. It's twelve well, and one. I know. And I, I, I know. I hear what you're saying, but it would be different if Georgia hadn't won twenty nine to thirty games and was a two time <laughs> defending national champion. Um, but yeah. I mean, look, we'll see. But look, hey, Jeff Cho could take get a head coaching job next week. Yeah, so there's a lot going on right now. Uh, but I think uh, Glenn Schumann, Kirby Smart. Uh, Will Muschamp, they're they're formidable for Texas um, with Justin Williams. I've said before, the only way Justin Williams, because Joseph, they've turned down visits to Texas. Texas was calling Joseph Jonah Janye late in the season. He just said, no, nah, I'm not interested in coming to a game. They tried to get him on campus. Uh, the, I think the one difference would be is if Justin Williams' mom just put her foot down and said, I don't want you going far from home. That's the mm-hmm. only way I think this happens for Texas. Got it. Okay. All right. Uh, Michael Williams here. Development of players, two, three, four stars, getting developed into NFL draft picks is very important. That's why Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State are good every year. UT is developing players. And Jerry, I love what you say about this. And Rod, I I know you and I have talked about this offline. Jerry says it's not just about the two, three, and four star players that get developed. It's when the five stars become true five stars. The ones that come in expecting to make a lot of money and make some bank when they leave and then they go do it. That's mm-hmm. that's when your your program starts replicating and reprocessing player after player after player. Uh, what What is the development, though, in your opinion? Is it, It's not just strictly development, but it has a large piece of it. I mean, Jalen Ford, Devondre Sweat. I mean, guys yeah. like that. Yeah. At this point now, I mean, you're seeing it at almost every position. You're seeing the actual evidence of guys being developed, getting better from one year to the next. Longhorn fans, we're not accustomed to seeing this, actually. Right? It's been a while since you've been able to track the development of a player and how they've gotten better and how they've gone from, you know, just a contributor to a starter to a all-conference caliber player to a guy that's got a draftable skill set, an NFL Sunday skill set. And you're watching that with multiple players. And what you want is essentially the pipeline, right? You like the pipeline to develop, which is happening kind of at detail right now running back start to develop that pipeline where well the next guy next guy up if you can earn this spot because the competition level is so high if you can earn that starting spot at that position at that university like ohio state bama what michael you know you're talking about bama and georgia and those and hopefully texas getting there too elite level programs who've been competing for the college football playoff year after year then it automatically is going to catapult you into being a, a guy with a Sunday skill set too, right? You would have, you ain't going, uh, that's the only way to earn the position. And one of the problems with Texas is right now, there are, it's a position here or there where maybe that's not happening just yet. It's on its, like you said, Bobby, it's on its way to happen. It's kind of like we were in 2001. We weren't there at every position, but like at DB, oh man, we'd already start the pipeline, right? It was already starting to develop and the Huff Daddy behind me and the Cedric Griffins behind me and Nathan Basher. So some positions are getting there, but maybe safety, you're not there yet, right? Safety is one of those bitches like, yeah, still, you still got some time to go there. So there are still some positions where you don't have the pipeline, but I can tell you right now, you can tell it's, it's, it's developing and they're starting to now have some NFL caliber guys who are not only the frontline starters, but behind them, you see them too. And maybe even a higher ceiling for those guys behind them. 
Uh, by, by the way, I'll add, I'll add on the five stars in recruiting. The one area programs get dinged on is if you have a bunch of those guys and they don't turn out to be draft picks. Texas. That's where you take some in recruiting from your competition. Uh, Jonathan Gray so and Jackson Jeffcoat say hello. There you yep. go. I mean, uh, Mike Davis, right? I mean, there were some guys mm-hmm. come through uh, at that point in time in Texas. That's what ma- that's where what's made Nick tough on top of being the best coach we've ever seen in college football is those five stars. He those guys get drafted and high at a higher rate than any other school. So it's hard that it's hard to sit there and recruit against that. Uh, and Kirby Smart's done that at Georgia as well, but not every program has. Ohio State has with wide receivers, right? But there's been some programs who haven't had as high a hit rate. Now, if you have a run of those guys not hitting, that does hurt you in recruiting. I was just thinking, you know, Texas got Manny Muhammad last year over Alabama. Yeah, there's a big one. Uh, Anthony Hill over AM and Ohio State. Uh, Derek Williams over LSU. Arch Manning over the world. You know, Cedric Baxter over Florida and Florida State. They're they're starting to play in that realm, and and people just don't realize it. Think Anthony Hill's glad he flipped? What's that? Think Anthony Hill's glad he flipped? (laughs) Oh, that's a hard one, Jerry. All right, this is from Coach Ezebo. I was just asking the chat. You think he did? I mean, I would be. You think the Aggies are panicking now? Wait till we win the SEC championship our first year of the conference. I'd hold on. Let's let's hold on. Let's get through this one. I'll take I'll take a win in college football playoff and play for the national championship. Let's let's focus on that right now, guys. Yeah. All right, there from Michael Williams. Texas wins the Natty. Rod has to have a little one every year. Dude, that's crazy you said that. My wife literally joked about that, and I was like, don't joke about that. Don't put that out there unless, you know, the universe might speak back to you. You don't necessarily want it. Don't ask for it. Hey, 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 Bobby Petronic. Hey, Bobby hey, it's coming back tomorrow. Manscaped. It's taking its return to coffee and football tomorrow. Hey, hey Jerry, this is weird. When I don't have the – are rumors of Bo Davis to A&M true? Surely not. See you in New Orleans. He ain't leaving until they're after, out of the playoffs, but I don't know why he would go to A&M over Texas. Yeah, I don't see that one. Yeah, okay. Steve Hannon, thank you for the super chat. We appreciate you. Uh, this is a good one uh, from Tommy. What do we think about this? Will players intending to enter the portal wait until after the playoffs? I bet there are some that go before. Hmm. Now, I don't know how many. I'm not saying – three or one. I don't know how many, but I bet one or two do. What do you think, Jerry? I think, I think they have some are going to have to because spots fill up. I mean, it's, this is the, this is the imperfect world of college football right now is if four teams are headed to the college football playoff and all four of them have a chance to win the national championship. There's not, and we can talk about why FSU didn't get in because they were the one team that wouldn't have had a shot without Jordan Travis. But all four of these teams have the same chance to win the national championship, essentially. And all four of these programs will probably be dealing with having a few, and I'm not talking starters, and I'm not even talking uh, the six best offensive linemen or you know your f- number four wide receiver. I'm not saying that, but you're going to have some. You're going to have some attrition before you play a college football playoff game because some kids have to. The portal spots close. I mean, some kids may not really have a choice if they want to go find a spot. If they're not one of the high-demand portal guys, 
then you're really playing with your transfer possibilities. Wait until January when 17th is when it closes. Then you may actually just be better off waiting until the spring. But the problem with that, guys, is spots fill up at your position. I just wonder how many people enter the portal without ever finding a home. Right. That's the issue. They end up going down a level and they're they're going to end up at Carson Newman or, you know, Midwestern State instead of at Texas or wherever because they don't necessarily have a, a home. Boy, I, I was on, we were on the live stream, all three of us today when the news came down. Yet we immediately after the live stream, Matt, our producer, had us a, a couple of uh, play uh, of clips to listen to and hear. He's got one for us now. This is from Roaster. Did y'all see Michigan's reaction when they saw they were playing Bama, not FSU? Matt, go ahead and roll it if you don't mind, buddy. They're getting ready to announce between Bama and Florida State. This is the Michigan uh, room. <laughs> that didn't seem just for me. That didn't seem like they were too enthused about playing Alabama. They wanted to play Florida State with their second string quarterback. That's what it sounded like to me. What do y'all yeah. what do y'all think on that one? It seemed like they were a little nervous about it. Now, it seemed like there were a couple of people that were excited, but not the whole team seemed excited. I will say that. They weren't happy about that. I, I, right. By the way, what, I mean, the reaction, it doesn't mean they're scared to play Bama, but you were hoping it was FSU. Of course. Uh, you know what it means? I mean, if you're the – hey, I want to say this, okay? The wrong team. FSU has a good team, so you're not – I'm not – I do not want to take anything away from them. No. You know no. what it means if you're – if you're uh, – if you're or if you're uh, Michigan, not only do I need to bring my chin strap, yes, I need to bring my mouth guard, yeah, <laughs> because it's it's going to rattle your chin a little. So it's well, just a little different, yeah. especially up front. That's well, you what, got that's the goat, it. and it's the goat, right? Hey, you look, look, I, mean, goat. <laughs> I mean, that's very different, man. Going against a goat, I I respect all these coaches, but the goat. That's why no, that's why everybody's looking at Alabama. A little bit differently in this thing because Nick Saban is grinning. I don't yeah. know. I like to see Nick Saban with a grin on his face, man. No. <laughs> he was happy this afternoon now. He yeah. was excited. Yeah. He got himself in there. Uh, right, this- we, we, we talked about it. Sark had been on his revenge tour. You don't think that, that – where would Nick Saban's beating Kirby Smart in the SEC to get into the playoff after mm-hmm. losing to Texas, where does that win rank for him? It may be number one after his national championships because of where it was in his career, and people were saying, all of us, how many games would Alabama lose this year? Everybody everybody was saying, is, the, is it the end of the era in Bama? The best um, offensive coordinator he's ever had has been wrong. Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian, best, yeah. The best defensive coordinator, Kirby Smart. Jimbo Fisher talked trash to him this year and got fired. Yeah, <laughs> Jimbo was his, was his offensive coordinator. Think about that. You, know, you don't mess with the goat now, Elijah yeah, Perez. Rod B, you talked yesterday about different DB tactics for defending the deep ball. Is that something that could be improved upon with a month of prep, or is that just something that DBs feel most comfortable with? I'm gonna because some you've said this. Some guys are guys that just try to break up the pass and yeah. play the hands and the eyes. Some guys are the ones that want the ball. 
Yeah. Like you said, yeah. you just, and I want to describe this for people. You said you were the guy that went for the hands and the eyes. You just tried yeah. to disrupt it. Nathan Vasher ball. was the guy that was the ball. Ball. Ball guy. Yeah, exactly. Right. Ryan Watts, maybe, and Manny Muhammad. Exactly. Malik Muhammad is a ball guy, ball-oriented guy. He's looking at the ball. Actually, his his eyes sometimes may get him in trouble. Actually, remember that interception he got? He was actually looking in the backfield and never actually even reacquired the wide receiver until he had already got to the football, located the football. He's one of those guys. And some guys have a natural instinct for that. They're, they're ball hawks. They are real. I played with these guys. Um, I was not that. All right. You guys probably remember I had some hands that were questionable at times. I'm definitely, I'm not going to get myself in trouble by playing the ball. I was assignment sound. So I play the hands because you can't catch the football without these things. So you got to get these in the way. As long as I can disrupt these, I'm good. And eyes, because the eyes of the wide receiver will always tell you the story. All right, they'll tell you the complete story because eyes will get really big when the ball is coming. So when on deep balls, I was reading eyes. I was facing the wide receiver. I was reading eyes and read hands. Once hands flash, shoot the hands. I'd shoot hand my hands in between their hands, and I could read the eyes, knowing when the ball is coming. Now, if you had a really skilled wide receiver, they could flash their hands at the last second. That's NFL scout. NFL scouts look for it. NFL coaches teach that. Like last second flashing your hands. You don't put your hands up. You don't you don't run like this, right? You run last second, you flash your hands so the DB doesn't know the ball's coming. And they also, I'm not even joking, they train eyes in the league. That's how deep and detailed oriented they are. They train wide receivers' eyes. That's my man Shano, not to get big when the ball's coming. <laughs> right? You get used it, it, it's freaky. I don't even know how you do that. All right. But that's what I'm saying. Like it's so for Texas, I think they don't have a lot of ball hawks. They don't have a lot of guys that that play the ball really well. I think they have guys that want to play the man. When you don't play the ball really well, you kind of default to playing the man. But if you play the man and don't have your eyes back to the quarterback or don't have your eyes on the ball, then you're likely to get flagged for pass interference, especially if you're getting physical. That's what Texas needs to work on. They need a panic plan. I call it a panic plan so that you don't panic when the ball's deep and in the air. You know exactly what your course of action is or your protocol is going to be. For me, I always knew. I'm playing the eyes and the hands. I don't even, I don't even look back unless what they call in phase. In phase means you are totally uh, in, in terms of your leverage and in terms of how you have you know, the wide receiver secured, that you have control of the wide receiver. That's in phase. Out of phase means I'm chasing. I'm chasing, right? I'm chasing the receiver. I'm burnt a little bit. If you're in phase, you can turn and look for the football. But if you're not, most of the time you're going to be chasing and you're out of phase. Well, that's so right. can work on it. Yeah. That's Rod Babers, Jerry Hamlin, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, let me say thank you to our sponsor this half hour. Uh, it is the same guys from the Cross Oak Group on Texas Football Sunday Night Live Stream, brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to our friends over at www.crossoakgroup.com. We appreciate them and their sponsorship of the Sunday night live stream. Got a lot I, of I, questions. Bobby had a couple of questions. Uh, the Muhammad, the corner for Washington, is related to Manny Muhammad. It's like his cousin, right? It's not no. his. 
It's not his brother, though. Jabbar we had a, we also had somebody, I think, Skibrek asked about Washington's health. Um, Kalen DeBoer talked about that this morning. I think, you know, they had a, they went through a little injury spell like Texas did. Um, they had a sickness run through uh, their, their locker room, but I think McMillan, their number two receiver, missed some time. Uh, mm-hmm. But they, he said they're healthier now. So they, they may be very similar in the Texas in some ways. They had to battle through some issues middle of the year, and they're a healthier team now going into the playoffs than they were midseason. Only season-ending hey, injury of a major player for Texas so far this year is Jonathan Brooks, right? Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Uh, I mean, hey, Jay McMillan, their number two receiver, he played for four games, then did play in the uh, – Pac-12 championship game. So their number two receivers only played in five games this year. He's healthy again now. Rayshon Thomas has this question for us. What if Quinn repeats his Big 12 championship performance for these next two games? Does he co-pro then? I think that we might hear an announcement before that. Like if he's staying, he need he's not yeah. going to – I don't think he's going to wait until the end of the playoff to, to make that consideration. Uh, I do think that there's likely some shakeout going to happen in the quarterback room. You know, we don't know when and how and what. You would think they would all go through uh, the uh, situation uh, at tech, or through the uh, playoff uh, workout, uh, especially if they need a number two quarterback. But uh, Malik Murphy came in second uh, against uh, uh, the uh, Cowboys on uh, on Saturday, but Arch Manning did get time, and as we know, he's been looking really, really good in practice. So we'll. Have to I've wait. got a little more. I've got a little more on Washington. So Jalen Polk. Their other, uh, their number three receiver from Lufkin High School, he also missed two games this year. Yeah. Jeremy Bernard, their number four receiver, they're all good players. He missed a couple of games this year. So Washington has not been a healthy uh, offense, and they had an offensive lineman miss some time too, similar to Texas. They've had some injuries they dealt with in that middle part of the season. Uh, they're healthier now. Yep. Good stuff. All right. Hey, this one from Juan. You guys think – A.D. Mitchell will be decorated wide receiver. If Texas goes to the Natty, he would be the good luck charm. Jerry wants to put him in the portal as somebody that needs a championship somewhere. <laughs> Jerry's trying to get him in. Hey, man, all you got to do is sign A.D. Mitchell, and that you he could get more maybe from some teams in the portal the than the NFL if they knew we are going to Yeah, get Yeah, he may get demand quarterback money with all his wins. <laughs> hey, Rod, let me ask you this. In all seriousness, uh, who do you think's a better pro prospect, Xavier Worthy or Adonai Mitchell? That is good. Um, so much depends on the system, right? So much depends on the system. I mean, so much depends on the quarterback you go to, right? If we, I mean, honestly, eighty percent of it's probably going to depend on the quarterback they go to. Let's be honest about that. If you know, if, if I've seen some mocks where Xavier Worthy ends up with the Kansas City Chiefs. Nice. We've got one of the worst wide receiving cores in the NFL, right? Right now, they they lead the NFL in drop per, drop rates as a wide receiving core. You guys, if you watch them, you know they've lost like two games this year just because the wide receivers have underperformed. And Sark's offense, the way he utilizes wide receivers, it it's very similar to what what Andy Reid wants to do in Kansas City with his wide receivers in terms of how he schemes them open. And they both love guys who are speed demons. So 
if he ends up with him, well, it's pretty automatic. He's going to end up having a better career than A.D. Mitchell. I don't care where A.D. Mitchell ends up. So the NFL, a lot of it's based on the system where you end up, and it's based on the specific wide receiver, the quarterback you end up playing for. I just think if we're taking those things out of the equation right now, just me based on, you know, a DB and a toughest guy to cover, I think X-Man is a tougher cover. I just think he is. He's a tougher guy to cover to me. I'd rather cover A.D. Mitchell. And that's not an insult to A.D. Mitchell. That's because, I, you know what, can I tell you why I think that's the case? Yeah, go ahead. You, you would have the speed element over A.D. Exactly. You would exactly. have the speed element over him, whereas Xavier Worthy made my it. Even, it's over. It's a, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. I, you, you at least have an upper hand. Whereas a, a bigger corner, they may say, I want to I want to I want to be able to rough up. I want to be able to rough up Xavier that's Worthy right. a little bit. Yeah. No, you're right about that. You're so right. Yeah, that's that's exactly interesting. Right. That's a yeah. that's guys, that's feedback from a guy that played in the league. Uh he knows what he's talking about. Uh, here's one of my favorites so far. Why did the Big 12 have the weird WWE connection at the game? Yeah, why? I'll give you two words. Brett Yormark. All right. Uh, we mentioned Drew Kelson earlier. Chris Bennett, uh, our resident Longhorn historian, by the way, on Twitter. Uh, happy anniversary, Drew Kelson. He knocked out Joel Klatt 18 years ago today. The final score <laughs> of that game, 70 to 3. 70 to 3. And oh, Matt boy. called the dogs off, huh? Yeah, wow. I bet, yeah. In the third, I think it was seventy-three in the third quarter. By the way, Matt was called it not? off. Hey, Thanks. Charles, Charlie Baldwin. It was good seeing you the other day over at Terry Black's Barbecue yeah. in Dallas. We appreciate you. Uh, nice to meet you and your wife. Uh, let us know if you have a question. I don't see one attached to the super chat, but we do appreciate it. It's very nice meeting you in person. UT Parking, uh, proud of the freshman and redshirt freshman. They grew up fast and are major contributors on a, a championship team. And if we keep yours upright, we have a shot. If he plays like he did on Saturday, amen. I mean, he he stepped yeah. up, Rod. Best game I've seen Quinn Ewers play uh, here at Texas. Uh, it might be the best game he's ever played. Uh, you talked about it, Bobby. Got deep into progressions a, a few times. That's what I think ultimately he's coming back to school for. I think that's the one thing that NFL scouts are saying, hey, we want to see more of that from you. We want to, do, we want to see you do it quicker, uh, deep into your process, deep into your progressions, and we want to see you actually be able to do it fluently. Um, and not get erratic and your footwork not struggle and your pocket presence not wane as a result of it. And honestly, <laughs> that's the kind of game and performance they want to see uh, in that game versus Oklahoma State. I mean, that was phenomenal. And for me, I think Quinn's coming back. I do. I think he's coming back because I think he is starting, and Jerry's kind of talked about this, I think he is starting to recognize, man, I'm just on the precipice of my potential. And you may say, well, why not go to the NFL if that's the case? Well, you could go, but think about all the disruption, right? Your your uh, developmental track is going to have to deal with going to the league. You're going to be with a different coordinator. You have no idea what the hell it's going to be. Different personnel. You're going to the NFL. You become a pro. You're going to live in a different city. All these things. Right now, your developmental track has been accelerated. At least your developmental rate has been accelerated on this track. And if, if you don't just disrupt too much, you're going to lose some of your weapons. But other than that, there's not going to be too much disruption the logical, you know, obviously next step for him to project is that he's going to take another step next season. And then you may be talking about him in a Heisman conversation, not only Texas in a championship conversation, but also NFL scouts seeing him as the QB one off the board, not just 
one of the QBs potentially in the in the first two rounds. And I do want to mention this too because it is part of college football. Um, if you're staying, if he decides to stay, his NIL went through the roof Saturday. Ding 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 through yeah. the roof. But it was already through the roof. It was. Quarterback, you QB one at Texas is pretty darn good. It uh, probably doubled after Saturday. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe not from like I want to say this. Maybe from the Dr. Peppers. Yes. From the Frito Lays. Oh uh, yeah, big corporate. You know, those yes. not necessarily from yeah. the Texas One Fund and those guys. Right. The, you start talking about that. Corporate. You're talking about a different category That's of NIL. Right. You know, right. you know, you're getting the national deals with Canes, like, I mean, like he's, he's the quarterback no. of the Texas playoff team. If he comes back next year, just oh, winning yeah. the MVP of the Big 12, I think he, that's a different deal for him. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, good point, buddy. All right. Um, hey. Uh, I want to say thanks uh, to our friends at Cross Oak again. This is the Long Longhorn live stream brought to you by the folks at Cross Oak Group. Uh, the Cross Oak Group is a political communications government affairs firm uh, specializing in lobbying, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business with decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House. Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. I had a problem with that read for some reason. Also want to thank to the fellas at InsideTexas.com. That's where Jerry and I are each and every day uh, for our uh, uh, daily bread, so to speak. We post there every day. Visit us there on the message boards as well. Hey, Jerry, this one's a little shout out to you and me from Friday morning. Rod, you didn't see this, yeah. but Friday morning, Jerry <laughs> Hamilton and I, we're at Jerry World, but we aren't. We weren't exactly at Jerry World because we couldn't get the whole stadium in the background. Yeah, in the background. So we went over to the Walmart across the street in their parking lot, and <laughs> we have the the history that is. Ashton Holloman, have you considered doing live streams from Walmart more so we could win championships? I want to tag hey. this about because we also had the meetup at Terry Black's on Friday night. I talked to the uh, Love You Blue old-timer. Are there meetups planned in New Orleans and Houston? Oh. So not Houston yet. However, I talked to the head of the New Orleans, Texas X's, the president of the New Orleans, Texas X's today. We're working on something in conjunction with the One Fund, uh, Texas One Fund, and we're all going to get together and try to throw a big blowout. Ooh. So be ready for that. Uh, hopefully we'll get some, some – uh, have some fun there and, and whatnot. All right. Kyle Witherspoon has a good one, guys. 
Imagine if this comes uh, down to a round two for all the marbles between Bama and Texas. Wow. Let me ask you this. Well, let's add this. It would be in Houston. All right, go. Amen, yes, brother. it would be in Houston. Uh, I, I've got to ask this, though. Uh, what I, I didn't do that. I didn't click on that. If I did, I, it's accidental. Matt, can you take it down? Uh, oh, he wants, to, he wants to put it up. Like all of Longhorn Nation, I want UT to beat UW. What level of respect has to go to Coach Sarkeesian if he beats the coach many consider the best ever twice in a season and in a national title game? So he's talking about, uh, again, coming back and beating Bama twice. I'll, I've got a different take on this. If Nick Saban wins, is that is that enough for him? Does he say goodbye? Hmm. In, an, in a year where nobody – Jerry, you said this. After he lost to Texas, he didn't even use Jalen Milrow as a quarterback the next week. And he looked he looked he, like he was ready to get out of there walking in the locker room at South South Florida. I mean, he that that was as bad a look on his face I've seen since the kick six. I was like, mm. um, I mean, th- he was going to retire. That's not Nick Saban. He's a competitor. But I will say this: I've I've wondered about that, and that'll be talked about by some people. What grades Jalen Milrow in? Yeah, he, he's not yeah. going pro though. Yeah, nope. he, he's, that, no, that, he's that's what I'm saying. So Jalen Milrow has another year, and he's just starting to come into his own as a, a quarterback. He'll be a better player next year. To, to that point, though, uh, they made about uh, you know Sark and going up against Nick Saban, and that would be quite a feat. Um, but I I love really the just the, the group of coaches now that are represented in the college football playoff. Jim Harbaugh is considered by oh. some people just in terms of because. I've always said in the NFL and college football are two different sports. We look at the way town of talent acquisition and now the transfer point, they're basically two different sports guys. <laughs> uh, and we've seen the greats try to go from one to the other and it not translate. You're just talking about ball coaches. Get a ball coach, get yeah. a ball coach, right? Get, put him in any situation. Let him coach football for a while. He'll find a way to win some damn games. Is there, I don't know if there's a better ball coach out there than Jim Harbaugh. All right, straight up ball coach from a family of ball coaches. Man, we just now I spy and all that stuff. I'll get it, but he's a ball coach. We all know that. Nick Saban is the GOAT. Enough said, right? He's a GOAT. Kalen DeBoer is considered right now in coaching circles, ladies and gentlemen, to be the top coach right now, the hottest coach in the game, potentially. Guys, yep. he's one, he's one, he's 103 and 11 as a head coach. He's only lost 11 games. <laughs> he really, he don't even know how, he don't even really know how losing feel. Because he hadn't done it a lot. Talk yeah. about winning percentage, 103 and 11. And then you got Sark. I, just, I love that Sark is in this group of coaches. Because if he ascends, he's like, he's on a, like a, you know, at one point he was a prodigy. I remember that. He was a prodigy. Al Davis yeah. loved him from Sark. And he was a prodigy. Could, you know, take it over at USC. Obviously had his demons, battled those, conquered those. Now he's at Texas ascending again, no longer past the prodigy years. But now if you go look at, you know, where Sark Man was supposed to be, if he didn't get off track, by the way, we've all gotten off track. <laughs> um, you know, maybe he would have been in this, you know, group of great coaches. I mean, I, that's what I love about this group of coaches, man. This is a, so I agree. Yes, VB saving. That's awesome. But hell, man, him going up against Kalen DeBoer. That's going to be a hell of a chess match right there. Hell of a yeah. chess match. All right, we have we have great coaching and uh, in, in head coaches, offensive minds in in one game, right? You have Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh. I I mean, is this going to be the highest rated playoff ever? Yeah. 
I Could be. So. Those are four. I mean, Seattle's pretty big market. Yeah. Alabama's the South. Texas is Texas. Michigan is the Midwest. Yep. That's four different areas of the country that are all. That's a good point, Jerry. Good, good I stuff. Agree, Jerry. Hey, hey, uh, by the way, by the way, if te- to answer the question earlier, if Texas and Bama both won and played in the national championship, that would probably be the highest rated game, a TV game of all time. Things have changed, right? But I would guess I would we I I, I don't want to say for sure, but it would be up there, and it had the possibility to be. The first one was such a good good game, and and watched that they'll remember that and be going back for it, Jerry. You're, yeah. you're, you're right in that regard, in my opinion. Very, very right. All right. Hey, uh, this is welcome to New Orleans. Can't wait to host you guys at Texas X's NOLA. I believe I know who that is. That may be my my guy, Joe Diaz. It's uh, head of the Texas X's there. Kevin Todd, thank you for the super chat. We appreciate you. Leon Lemuel, Washington has an elite passing game. Do we figure out better communication in the secondary to help our DBs with slants and tempo? Rod, is that what you're concerned with or with Washington? Or are you more concerned with the deep ball? I'm more concerned with the deep ball. Um, you know, Washington, they they don't, you know, they they engage in some quick game and some short underneath, but man, they're daggers, they're haymakers, they're kill shots, all the deep vertical shots downfield. Um, and Texas has and, and Texas plays a lot of quarters, they match quarters, and they play a lot of man. When they do play man, hey man, it's just you against their guy. And they got a lot of guys. <laughs> they got some NFL receivers on the outside. So Texas could be susceptible to getting beaten man coverage. And when Texas plays that quarters coverage, the match quarters, that's when the communication air, uh, issues come uh, come into play. Now they've been much better lately, but guys, it's the best quarterback they will have played all year. It's the best receivers they will have played all year. The most sophisticated passing game they will have played all year. And the best offensive play caller. They will have seen all year. Yes. It is all just that. that simple. And, and here's here, here's the thing, Rod, to add to that. They're going to slide protection. Mm-hmm. So the Texas is going to have to find a way to get pressure on Washington, and it's probably going to have to come from the edges and, and linebackers, Rod. They're going to slide protection. They're going to make Byron Murphy and Tavondre mm-hmm. Sweat play on the move yep. in this game. Which is why I wonder if, you know, that package, that that Mo Blackwell package where you got Anthony Hill out there with Jalen Ford out there, uh, you know, with Mo Blackwell and either and Blackwell and you know, Blackwell Ford or Anthony Hill can end up being some of those edge rushers at times, too. I wonder if you'll see more of that in this game. Just because just what you brought up, Jerry, you got to find a way to manufacture pressure if you can't bring it organically and organically usually comes from your interior D line. If that's not going to happen, man, you better bring the pressure. You better bring the ruckus because if you get Penix time, he going to he going to hurt you. If that, it, it, you. It's the same with Texas and Washington and Washington faces the same thing in a different way. Both are kill shot uh, offensive coordinators, longer developing routes. Mm-hmm. So I really think this game may come down to who can get the quarterback on the ground enough. Who can get some hits and get the quarterback on the ground enough? Who can disrupt the longer developing pass pass plays more? I think yeah. is going to be massive in this game. I like that. All right, here we go. Uh, from Greg Stone, props to Eric Nolene at Inside Texas for saying last year that it was the year before the year, the year before the year. Subscribe to Inside Texas. Trust me. Best in the biz. Love on Texas football as well. Hook them. I could not agree more. 
Guys, right now we have a special two months for $1 on InsideTexas.com. It gets you all the way through recruiting. Uh, use promo code OTFIT23, $1 for two months. You must select the monthly offer. Make sure you do that. Select the monthly offer. All right, so let's get back to some more questions. We appreciate that super chat, Greg Stone. All right, uh, Justin Yarbrough, Jerry, what will the 25 and 26 recruits say about this season making the playoff? And if Jeff Choate leaves, who are some good candidates? A couple of questions in there for you. Yeah, so I think the big thing with the younger recruits isn't, <clears throat> isn't what kids are necessarily going to say about Texas. It's how many kids Texas is going to get on campus to evaluate, I, to thoroughly evaluate. I think this season gives them that ability. They're going to command that, and more kids are going to come through Austin, want to see University of Texas, and that helps your evaluation process. Kids are going to be saying nothing but really good things about the Longhorns, but Texas can dive even deeper into this evaluation process through this season because that's the one thing Nick Saban's had going for him for 15 years, and Kirby Smart has it, and uh, Dabo's had it in Ohio State to a certain level, but more in the South. The, the win at the level they did, those kids want to come on campus and see what it's all about. And the, one of the best things that comes with winning after hoisting trophies in the NFL draft picks is you get to evaluate more kids in person and make or more NFL-like decisions through – that uh, evaluation process. That's going to be big for this staff. Hey, Jerry, do you think that I, 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 let's go back to the Jeff Choate candidates? I don't know that we know any right now. Andy Avalos and Pete Kwiatkowski, the fired head coach at, at uh, Boise, uh, they hired the de longtime defense coordinator at Boise as the head coach. He has some uh, long term relationships with Pete Kwiatkowski, but we don't know if Avalos would be a candidate for the linebacker role at Texas. That's an obvious name, though. Uh, no other no other names right off the bat, Jerry, right? And, no, and look, we should probably say this. We've had hundreds and hundreds of people join the chat. We're not saying Jeff Choate's taking the Nevada job. We want to be yeah. clear. That's Bruce insane. Feldman has a report that he's emerged as a top candidate. So we're yep. just responding to questions in the chat. Yep. Good Good job there, Jerry, for, for clarifying for everyone. Uh, Daniel Kinnaman, uh, will UT slow play portal guys till after National Signing Day? I don't think so. Uh, and I've, I've talked to some people. They're going to go at it. Now, they may not get commitments until after National Signing Day, but Texas is going to be very aggressive in the portal, is my understanding. Uh, by the way, people are saying Juice Wells has put out now on Twitter that he plans to social media, that he plans to enter the portal. Texas will have interest. Wow. Yep. There you go. That's the South Carolina wide receiver. We may need to ask Diamante Tucker Dorsey about him tomorrow morning, Jerry, yeah. when we talk to Diamante. He was a teammate of Juice. Yeah, he was a teammate of Juice at uh, James Madison. Uh, okay. All right, uh, Michael Williams, how does our participation in the college football playoff impact our transfer portal additions? Like, can can transfer guys – come in I, I wouldn't assume they could play uh, they, they, now I, I don't I, I don't I don't think so you'd be you'd be exhausting eligibility after a transfer I, oh, I, I, interesting. I, think, I think I haven't read the NCAA's rules on that <laughs> all right uh William Nish watching that Louisville Florida State game made my eyes bleed <laughs> oh <laughs> I, I tell you what does Louisville win that game with Malik Murphy or Arch as the quarterback mm. Maybe really good on D. They probably yeah, could. I don't think they that, probably could. Uh, look, I will say this 
Arch would present a running component that may yeah. keep Florida State's pass rushers a little more honest. Yeah. Malik doesn't have that. And Malik's, I don't know. I, I If I were to choose one to go try to beat him right now, I'd choose Arch. I'll say that. All right, uh, here's a football junkie. Do you think we run a three-man front with hmm. Hill, the hangover guy, in this game? Uh, we're already starting to talk yeah. a little X the nose here, Rod. What do you think? Yeah, I, I I brought it up earlier. I brought up that that Mo Blackwell package where they yeah. run that three three five essentially, and they essentially look at Blackwell as a quasi you know dime back there. Um, Paul Wallington brought it up, and I thought about it earlier this year, but he brought it up for this matchup. You know, a dime package is a nice you know way to change the pace, a nice way to break tendency if you're Texas if you trust how deep you are at defensive back. So, yeah, I think you'll see some of that three-man. I think you'll see some of that three-man, uh, that three-down, I should say, Mo Blackwell packages. It makes sense, especially if Jerry's talking about if they're going to neutralize the interior pass rush for Texas, which is your organic pressure to Andre Sweat, Byron Murphy. If they're going to neutralize that with slide protection, you got to pressure off the edge. And you can either have Blackwell or you could have Anthony Hill off the edge. Hell, even Jalen Ford sometimes coming off the edge in that three, three, five package. So I'm with it. I think you're going to see it sometimes. I just don't know if they're going to start with it, but you're definitely going to see it as a change of pace. Might put, uh, might mean more work for Ethan Burke too. Well, I was going to say, look, what does Washington do some in their run game? They run that quick pitch, right? They test your edges too. So, I mean, that that's kind of that's the game within the game, right, Rod? I mean, yeah, sure. uh, Kalen DeBoer will break tendency if you play a three-man front against him. He, he will run the football. Yes, he will. All right, uh, this one comes from William Rosenthal. Just want to say thank you, guys, for all you do throughout the season. Me and all of Longhorn Nations appreciate it. William, I got to say it to you. We appreciate you guys just as much. You got to know that. Amen, uh, we really do. Sure. We enjoy doing this and. Talking Longhorns is a, a passion. Uh, family, we're glad, uh, we've provided a, a vehicle for people to do that here on this channel. All right, uh, Texas boy, when it comes when it comes to physicality, where would you rank Washington in the Big Twelve? Oh, that's, that's good. An interesting question, right? That is a good Their question. Their offensive line would be first or second in the Big Twelve. Oh, it would be first, second, or third in the Big Twelve alongside Texas and OU. So they are that talented. Yeah, oh yeah. On the defensive line, other than the edge guy, so many of Coach Pete's guys are gone now, and Jimmy Lake's guys. I don't know that they have the same level of talent that they once did, but, I mean, they've got a first-round draft pick at edge. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. What do you I, mean, I think uh, I think their offensive line's very good for what they asked them to do. Very, very good. Um, you said today they had like a 275, 280-pound center, though. Yeah, from uh, uh, Phoenix at Scottsdale, I think Saguaro, Saguaro High School, uh, a kid we had in Under Armour camp a few years, years ago when he was younger. Uh, yeah, I think he's 275, 280 pounds. Uh, but that, it's, uh, Washington will negate that uh, because they're going to slide protection. Uh, they're fully ex expected to slide protection uh, against Texas. But I think, look, the wide receiver core, by, not by far be the best. Texas is very, very good. But Washington's one through four probably is the best uh, in the Big 12 to start. Uh, look, Johnson's a really good running back. He would fit right in. He's not maybe physically as talented um, as an Ollie Gordon, as a Taj Brooks. But he runs tough like Taj Brooks in a different way. Mm -hmm. It's more of a scheme fit. Uh, he's kind of like Savion Red on steroids is what he is, right, as a running back. <laughs> nice. uh, 
but he has that angry, tough running ability. Obviously, I think I think Washington would probably would be number two to Texas as All far right. as talent. William yeah. Rosenthal was wondering if Jerry knew more about the modern day pipeline that is starting for Texas. Does it have anything to do with the coaching change? Uh, if coaching change meaning they have a new head coach this year, no. Um, or do you mean Texas at Sark at Texas? Absolutely. Um, Sark's had the uh, uh, has had the longstanding connections there in Southern California. Whether it's modern day, his son played there for a while before going to Corona Del Mar there in the Newport Beach area. Um, so the Sarkeesians had long-standing connections. Uh, Chris Jackson went to Modern Day, right? So uh, uh, Kyle Flood, Sark, they've recruited that school for a long time as well. Kyle Flood, this isn't his first rodeo down there either. So, but it's Sark's connections. They're long-standing connections. So if you're talking about Sark, absolutely. Uh, if you're talking about the coaching change at Modern Day this last year, that doesn't really have any uh, thing to do with uh, Texas and. Uh, the success there. I think the big thing there is kids don't see USC as the destination right now. Hmm. That's crazy. They see the they SEC as the destination. That's been the deal. Joel Heyman, thank you guys for all the videos and a great season. Oh, what, wait a minute. Guess what, though? Joel. This part is his last clause of this sentence, and it's not over yet, baby. We got, we got wow. another. Uh, January 1, 745, uh, Longhorns taking on Washington in New Orleans. It's going to be a party. Uh, hope the Longhorns take the same kind of, uh, same kind of attitude they took uh, the first or the last three games. I, I said this earlier um, about uh, some things that people told me. You know, ever since that Iowa State offensive lineman piped up and said what he mm -hmm. said, it's changed. I think this whole team's changed. Uh, thank you, Joel, for the super chat. We thank really appreciate Joel. it. Uh, and uh, now you're right. We do still get to enjoy more of it uh, coming up. Uh, Jordan Bonner asks, are you still planning on doing the National Signing Day show December 20th? Yes is the answer to that. I think I said December 15th accidentally earlier. Uh, Kevin Jones, can we expect Sark and all the coaches to get raises so we can thank them all? Yes, yes they will all get raises for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, the one thing I would say is Sark is going to be do the biggest one. Uh, I'm guessing that he's going to be shooting for the moon on this one now. He deserves and it. Rightly so. Uh, yeah, rightly so. But yeah, guys like Bo Davis will get a bump. Kyle Flood, Jeff Banks, uh, Terry Joseph, Blake Gideon, they all, Chris Jackson, they mm -hmm. all most likely will get a serious bump because nobody, everybody wants to keep a winner going. Yep. That's what – Kevin, that's what they're going to want. And they're going to say, hey, you need 100 more thousand or 200 more thousand if you're an assistant. You need several more million if you're Sark. You earned it, buddy. Yes, you uh, Michael Williams, CB4, Cedric Baxter, seems to always get dinged up. Is this due to his physicality or needing to get bigger? He is already a big dude. Jerry, what is yeah. your take on that? I think, one, you can have just a little bad luck, too, with injuries. You can have just a year where you're never really healthy. Rod can speak to that. I mean, that happens, especially in the game. Uh, but, I, look, he's a he was a typical Florida high school kid. He came in, and people uh, – we went over this for months. Uh, people are like, oh, gosh, this guy's 6'1 and a half, 215 pounds. But if you don't see him, if you didn't go see him in person, or if you don't really look at photos of him or understand Florida high school public school football – 
Uh, that is a raw 215 pounds that he had. Yeah. Now, he has natural strength in his lower trunk, but upper body, he's going to look like a totally different guy next year because in the state of Florida, they don't have that set athletic period every day year-round at a lot mm -hmm. of public schools. So these kids come out raw, and especially if you're a multi-sport guy, right, and especially if you don't have a personal trainer or somebody you train with, you come out of Florida really raw. I tell a story all the time when I was at ESPN Under Armour. Calvin Ridley was 158 pounds when I saw him his senior year before the Under Armour game. He was 100, and I believe, 82 his first game at Alabama. And it was, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, so these, there's some. And he still looked real thin, by the way. He yes. Still yeah. He just started to add the wiry strength. But, and I'm saying the same thing with DeAndre Robinson, guys. People say, oh, gosh, this guy's six, three and a half, 305 pounds. Well, that's not a Texas athletic period 305 pounds. That's yeah. a Florida public school 305 pounds. So he is not even close to his ceiling physically. Senator Baxter has just started that process truly uh, at Texas. I will add this. Um, a lot of guys that are like Cedric Baxter, Cedric did not change his running style when he came to college. He still runs, tries to run through tackles. He doesn't have the college body yet to really do that right. as effectively as he wants to. Wait until you see him next year, the year after. Dude's going to be a stud. I'm just, <laughs> just telling just, you. And I'll just, I'll just say this, man. It hurts more. It does. I, I think there's a there's just the element of getting used to and getting acclimated to yeah. the the level of pain tolerance you have to deal with at the at run. Listen, I. I'm talking about a DB. I didn't have to deal with it. I know guys who played offense who did have to deal with it. And you just get hit harder, man. And they, and they, you know, those accumulations of those hits for a young guy, I just think he's got to get once, and Jerry's right, once he gets his armor, that's that, you know, strength and conditioning, one off season with the nutritionist and the dietitian, all that kind of stuff, he'll be able to deal with the pain tolerance more. He's not injured because he can still go back out there and play, but he's hurting. Yeah. <laughs> he's hurting you can tell and i think that's a big that's just part of the pain tolerance of being a young guy and by the way the great thing is he it'll be as healthy as he's been since before the rice game yep. by the time texas takes the field to play off hey justin yarbrough asked the same thing how beneficial is the health uh, of cedric baxter going for him being rb1 i think it's critical yeah. I, I think that he needs he's one of those guys that needs uh some time uh to get a little healthier uh, as we go through this. All right. A uh, couple other questions here coming through. Uh, Jerry, do we know this from Mike, from Mike Gosnell? Not sure if Corey Black, Kobe's older brother at Oklahoma State, has any eligibility left. He went out of that game early against the Longhorns. Uh, but would there be any interest at Texas in his potential transfer? My yeah, understanding is that he does have one year left. He does have a year left. Yeah, uh, But I, would Texas be interested? I mean, we can't speculate on that right now. Not until he enters the transfer portal, guys. Right. All he, right does, he definitely has one year left. Yep. Uh, Sarah Johnson, no lie. JT Sanders live stream on during church this morning. <laughs> if y'all are just now joining us, you, we opened, hey, we opened this saying by like how many people at 11 15 in church in the state of Texas were waiting mm -hmm. and sitting there looking while the preacher was giving his sermon, right? So oh. proud of our boys, especially Sark and Quinn, who had the most approved to Texas fans this year. Hey, you know what? That is true, what she just said there. Yeah. Sark and Quinn 
had the most to prove. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that. I, I think that's a perceptive thing because, I mean, did Jalen Ford have that much to prove? Did Xavier Worthy have that much to prove? I, I thought the Sorkin Quinn, Quinn are the face of the program. It's the head coach and the quarterback. I think the crazy thing is after mm-hmm. after you win at Alabama, how that changes the expectations for a fan base. And, and it just skyrocketed. It skyrocketed. People are saying Walter Nolan and transfer portal. We went over that earlier. Um, Walter Nolan, Shamar Stewart, Fidel Diggs. Uh, you know, how many of those guys is AM? Shamar Turner. Shamar Turner. Um, Shamar Turner probably goes in the draft. Uh, Shamar Stewart uh, from Miami, the former five-star D-line. How many of those guys can they keep around? Because that could affect what some other guys look at as well. They A&M's got some work in front of them. All right, got some other super chats. Thanks, Ray G, for it. Uh, David Smith asking, why are UT kickoffs short of the end zone lately? Is that just Will Stone getting a tired leg late in the season, guys? I don't know. That's a real question. I don't have you gotta, you gotta think that Louisville's punter had a tired leg by the end of the night last <laughs> night. <laughs> now I don't know if like, Jake Plummer have a dead arm last night. <laughs> it looked like it. <laughs> uh, Rod B admitting he has hands of stones. Hey. Uh, those laughing at you. Don't lie, baby. The honest guy uh, don't you, lie. <laughs> you have always been open about that. Yes, sir. Uh, Jay, the yeah. activist, I think he's respect or responding to uh, the question of whether or not Malik Murphy would have helped LSU or Louisville, excuse me, win that game last night against uh, Florida State. They win that game with Malik, Jerry. Yep. Just so you know. Malik Cunningham. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, Rocky Poor, who is the best player Texas has to cover Udonze? Oh. Can Watts use his physical physicality to slow him down? Here's my worry there. If he doesn't slow him down, he's five yards past. Yes, well, he is. Well, and I would say this. It's not about who's covering him. It's to your point, Bobby. If those longer developing routes consistently have time, you're not getting enough pressure and you're in trouble in a game like that. Same for mm-hmm. Washington. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Jonathan, I think it's- Jonathan Stoker, I just joined in. I'm guilty. I was at church one. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord, and bless the Longhorns. Sherman, Texas native. Oh, John Elmore, the old lineman. And Mark Schultz uh, with the punter. Went to school with Chris Aikens. Oh, he's from Paris, right. North Lamar. Or awesome. Paris, Lamar. Uh, um, uh, hook him. Thanks, nice. man. Y'all have a good one on that one. Hey, this is a question from Michael Williams. Has Sark always stuck with playing two or three wide receivers and not going deeper? Is this a trust thing? Or just like he, how he likes to play his receivers. It's, that's how he likes to play his yeah. receivers. It was the case at Bama. That's just he he has a very tight circle of trust when it comes to his receivers. And I think it's because he he want, when he gets the right coverage and he gets the right look for his offense, he doesn't necessarily want to have you know potentially a I don't say subpar, but to have his secondary guys in there. He wants his he wants Xavier Worthy in there when he gets the right look. Uh, the right matchup. He wants A.D. Mitchell. He wants his guys in there so he can take advantage and take those shots and get those those kill shots, those haymakers, those big plays downfield. So it, that's a start thing. And if you're not in that circle of trust, I mean, remember Jay Witt. Jay Witt's been balling all season long. He wasn't necessarily in the circle. He just kind of cracked it when he starts getting targets. It was just an A.D. Mitchell, X-Man, J.T. Sanders kind of party. And now we're starting to see more Jay Witt. Because he's in man-to-man coverage all the damn time. It seems pretty easy. He's going to get matched up with the third or fourth best DB. 
Uh, so I, I think Sark may open it up a little, but right now, man, that's his three top guys are his three top guys at wide receiver. He usually doesn't go beyond that. Maybe four. He, he went four at Bama because he had four first rounders. That's I was just right. say Jalen Waddle. He had Jalen Waddle who plays for the most talented wide receiver core in the history of college football that didn't play for the Miami Hurricanes. Bottom line. Yes. Agreed. All right, Thunderpup. Will Texas being in the playoffs make players less likely to enter the portal or go in the portal to test their NIL ceiling? That's interesting. I mean, I don't know about testing the portal like that. Um, I, I'm of the opinion right now, at least, uh, that it, it will deter a few, not all. A few, not all. But I want Matt to bring something up. Uh, real quick, if you would, Matt, uh, he's got a tweet ready for us. Uh, it's not just Texas that's facing the portal tomorrow. A&M breaking Texas A&M defensive line. Walter Nolan plans to enter the transfer portal. Nolan tells on threes Hayes Fawcett. So it's not just a it's not just a maybe. Yeah. I'm, I'm entering tomorrow. Yeah. And people are asking about Texas and Walter Nolan. Look, uh, as talented as he is, not every school pushed for him coming out of high school. And I would think, I, I don't think anything's change will change there. Let, let's see what happens. Let's see, let's what, see happens. what happens. Maybe, maybe Elijah Robinson go going is the, the, the break in the dam, Jerry. Yeah. Elijah Robinson, if you guys don't know, is a haymaker rainmaker recruiter for Texas A&M. He is moving on. It was, an, it's been said today to Syracuse that wow. could unlock a lot. He was the key to keeping a lot of that A&M class together and retain. So, so the A&M. thing, the thing to look at is with A&M, the other names that I, I, I kind of, we started the show. I mentioned were Shamar Stewart for out of Miami and Fadil Diggs. It can, are they going to keep any of those guys? Are all those guys going to jump on the portal? Uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, 48, 72 hours here for Texas A&M trying to keep these guys from jumping in the portal. Hmm. All right. Uh, this is a great one. Daniel Kenneman with a good thought. Would love to have Jay Brooks as a human victory cigar two more times. <laughs> Rod, you, like played, you played at Texas. What did that mean to you as a player? What would that have meant to you if that happened to one of your friends? I mean, because that's yeah. what I mean, John and the Brooks is definitely a player at Texas. All his teammates are like, yeah, but they're friends too. Somebody, coach does that for a friend of yours that's been injured. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I probably would have been close to tears. Uh, at that moment because you know what it means to a guy like Jay Brooks. I mean, we all have kind of you know documented his story, his experience, but just from a football perspective, sitting behind a guy like Bijan Robinson and Rojo, could have easily probably went to the transfer portal. We've been talking about that a lot lately. Go into the transfer portal and go end up starting for some other school, either in Texas or around the country. And then, you know, he probably could have had NFL prospects from there, but he didn't. He wanted to stay in Texas. And this this is a, I think, kind of a common theme now we're starting to see with some guys. And that's how we know the culture at Texas is, a, is in a really good place. I always say there are two types of Texas football players, the guys that come to play at Texas and the guys that come to play for Texas. Jay Brooks is a for Texas guy, right? He ain't come to play at Texas. Guys that come to play at Texas, they end up leaving Texas, right, for greener pastures. No, the guys that want to come to play for Texas, they want to know what I can do for the program. How can I help the program? Right. He's one of those guys. That's what Rojo was. He's a for Texas guy, not an at Texas guy. And those are the type more guys you got like that, the better your culture is going to be. And I think that was Sark's kind of a tribute, a gesture that was a tribute to the culture. 
to say, guys, I understand everybody knows what this guy committed and how much he was dedicated to our cause. We know how much he meant to our cause and what we're trying to accomplish. I'm not going to let that be forgotten. And all you guys out there, just so you know, it's almost symbolic. Your gestures also, even though they may not be helping us at this moment, at one point in the season they did, we wouldn't be here without it. And I, I, I want to show some love. I want to, I want to show a tribute to that. That's essentially what it was. So to me, it shows how in touch and dialed in Sark is with that culture. Because although, hey. you know, and and what I love about the Texas culture, and Sark said this, they celebrate each other a lot. Man, when somebody makes a great play on the field, they come back to the sideline and it is a party. They almost forget that they're in a, a situation and they're playing in front of millions. They get transported back to the locker room and everybody's just partying on the sideline, having a good time. And you, as a fan, you recognize, you go, oh man, that's, that's genuine. These guys are. Uh, hey, look, Tavondre, you saw that with Tavondre Sweat. You saw it the week oh. before with Jet Bush. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was, yeah. And it's, it, it really is, man. It's, it's heartwarming because you realize it's genuine, man. It's those guys. It's like when you watch your kids out there genuinely having a moment of joy, they're having a moment of joy out there and they're happy for their teammate. And that's what Sark, I think, put Jay Brooks out there. It was one of those gestures to say, no, 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 no. Once again, guys, it's a shout out to our culture. This is a guy that put the work in. We remember it. We recognize it. And for all you out there who are putting the work in and you don't get, you know, the highlight plays and you don't get the, you know, highlight reels and you don't get the targets and the touches, guys, hey, we still remember you, man. You're still part of this thing. You're still part of it. It's a family. I love it, man. I love it. <laughs> all right. Hey, we did. We neglected to mention this at the outset, guys. We should have. Uh, drove de- Sean puts in a super chat. Drove my kid down from Abilene for the women's bo- basketball game today. Best crowd since the Conrad days. The excitement on the 48 acres of all sports is palpable. I tell you what, they handled business against the the, the Lady Huskies, 80 to 68. The final. Ooh. Rory Harmon uh, leading the way for the Longhorns with 27 points. Uh, Jerry, did you watch that game or no? I watched about five minutes of it. We talked to Kat Osterman about this last week, uh, two weeks ago when she came on the show. And I asked her, I said, what was it like being at Texas? Because she was there. Baseball won national championship. Obviously, Texas TJ led Texas to the Final Four. Texas uh, uh, was coming up in football, being a real contender, right, at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, obviously Texas basketball lead eight uh, last year. Texas football in the playoffs this year got some really – ascending positive things going on on the 40 acres in all sports. But now you have football adding to that. It does get palpable. All right, uh, guys, we got to stop taking questions here for the next. So no more super chats, please. I'm going to get through the ones that are out here, but Rod's got to get to a baby. Daniel Kinnaman asks, how many kids get to travel for conference championship and bowl game? I think they all get to travel for conference championship and they all get to travel for bowl game but only a certain amount get to truly dress and be available to play i don't know what the exact number is though there texas boy how can texas get over the voodoo that's haunted us when it comes to d lyman can you talk to someone while in new orleans uh kyle witherspoon where will the live stream be in new orleans cafe dumont pat o'brien hey what about lafitte's blackness shop oh (laughs) the oldest bar i think it's the oldest bar on the Mississippi or something. It's like yeah. from the 1700s. That's awesome. Uh, you know, it's crazy. Crazy stuff in New Orleans. It'll be very, very good. Uh, hey, uh, Jason Renfro, how long will it take the Longhorns to win the SEC? Eesh. Tall order. 
You're you're walking in the land of giants next year, guys. Well, you technically beat the team that just won the SEC, so you're not that far away. (laughs) Well, let's be let's be clear. Let's be clear, Bobby. uh, Let's be clear. They might not get the hoist the SEC trophy, but if Texas and Alabama both win and play for the national championship, and Texas beats them again, they technically won the SEC. Damn right, bro. (laughs) There you go. All right, Rocky Four. Everyone run and donate to Texas One Fund. That's TexasOneFund.org. It's spelled out O-N-E, though. Uh, OneFund.org. Let's keep the train moving. Amen there. Inside Texas crew, best in the biz. Thanks, Jerry, Rod, Bobby, and team. Uh, We appreciate Rocky and others. Uh, Hey, Hazy, or Hosey wants to know, do you all see Blue? Jaden Blue is a portal guy. Haven't seen that burst since 25, which is Jamal Charles, and need to see more of it next year. Look. I reported in the in the winter that Jaden Blue was contemplating transferring. And that was 100% because he was. true in, in defense of I know, I know, because he was. Yes. He wow. decided not to. Stuck it out. Look where, he, look where he's at now, guys. Mm-hmm. If, if, he were to, if he were to transfer, that would hurt Texas. Six months ago, I don't, or nine months ago now, I don't know that people would say the same thing. Good, good on – He's uh, got good on Jaden. Can I give you a little nugget about Jaden Blue? Uh, real, it's yeah. called real analytics. They do uh, real time speed tracking, in game speed tracking. So when guys break away and they they track their speed, they have Jaden Blue as the fastest running back based on in game tracking in the country, based off his uh, run against Texas Tech not too long ago. And they have little sidebar X Man as the fastest player in the country. It, I think he was at tw- clocked at 22.6 miles per hour. They had Jaden Blue at 20.6 miles per hour, I believe. Still, both of those guys, top 10 fastest track times so far of college football this season. Yeah, sorry, Jaden Blue's at 22.3, and Xavier Worthy's at 22.7. There you go. Just by, hey, by the way, by the way, and I'm glad you brought that up. I want to know what Nick Martin is, the linebacker from Oak State. Thank you, player now. And got the, his hand on Xavier Worthy to save a touchdown from inside linebacker. That's true. Good point. Now Worthy did cut back into him and then accelerate. Still but dude, that Nick Martin, that was an unbelievably impressive play to to help keep Xavier Worthy from scoring. Draft I nominate him to enter the portal. I like this one. Hey Je, I, I got your note, and I'm going to do it right now. Thank you for the super chat. I really appreciate you. That's really nice of you to do it. Uh, Ashton Holloman, Bobby Burton, you followed Texas for a long time. What does it mean to you for Texas to win like this after being down so many seasons over the decades? Um, really, it's it's been the last 10 years that have been the hardest. I'll just The latter end of Max, to see something that was so special for a decade end in disarray like it did, Yep. was really heartbreaking for a Texas fan, I think. Um, it sucked. It, what could have been got blown up. Uh, one, I, I think it was because of quarterback play a little bit. You know, that was a problem. But there were other issues. Inconsistency with his coaching staff. You know, getting a new offensive coordinator every other year for a couple of years or, or for a few years. And then, uh, you know, defensive coordinator kind of after losing Will Muschamp, he never really found another one that he liked a lot until Greg Robinson stayed on for a little bit. Um, and then this year has been a roller coaster. I mean, I, I remember sitting in Schultz's during the 
Texas Kansas State game, guys, and sitting there thinking, I can't believe they got out to this big lead and they're getting ready to give it up in overtime after they throw that little pass down the seam to the tight end, Rod and Jerry. Yep. I'm just saying, I can't believe this. They, you know, they're they're going to get it. It's going they're going to get them. But the team said no. They 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 said uh uh-uh, uh not this year. And whether it's Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, you guys know this. Yeah, I think, I think what makes it satisfying Oops. for me, um, it, being obviously working in sports, growing up in it, is how many injuries they dealt with and are still here. Hmm. Starting quarterback, running back late in the year to ACL. I'm telling you, I was at the Texas OU game. Kelvin Banks limped every play out there. JT Sanders limped every play out there. Ryan Watts didn't play. Jake Majors went down early in that game. Think about that. And I've said this before. All five offensive linemen started 13 straight games two years ago. This year, they didn't have that continuity. They had to work through that lack of continuity and health at offensive line while working in a first-year starter at right guard. Um, so they've dealt with injuries. Uh, you know, Xavier Worthy being a little banged up at the end of the year. But just think about they weren't a healthy offense. They had issues with injury. They weren't going to play Jade Barron against U of H. They had to bring him in in the second half of that game. Things did not go according to plan with the health of the football team, and they're still standing. That's probably the most satisfying thing to me watching Texas all season. Yeah, it could have went off the rails at multiple points. Yeah, yep. right. I, I think that, that uh, Ashton Hallman followed that up with a, a, a comment that it's the high highs and the low lows uh, that, that get you going. I, I kind of think about it like Texas football as a roller coaster, okay? You're clicking, you click, 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 as it takes you up to the top right before you're going to drop. Yeah. Well, here's my thought on that. Texas football has been a lot of click, 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 and then the drop's not worth it. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. been a lot of buildup. Not a buildup. No, the thrill is gone, baby. Mm-hmm. There's no value. Yeah. This year, it's been a hell of a ride. Texas Cyclone. That's, that's what I, I think. love that. Hey, Astroworld, baby. <laughs> you get my point about it. I mean, sometimes oh, yeah. the roller coasters they just they don't they don't play guys, out. Guys, this, this is only the second time in the last 15 years where Texas football has actually exceeded the over under uh, preseason win total. Yeah. Only the second time, 2018 they did it and they did it this year. To Bobby's point, there's been a lot of build up and anticipation and a lot of it's been anticlimactic. Not this team. This team, oh man, they 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 don't disappoint. They show up in clutch moments and they have great football character. It's a great team, but they ain't done yet. Can't be satisfied. Can't be satisfied. That's the key. Uh, and I, I hope they're not just happy with they should be. I, I want them to be proud of themselves, but man, that you could win this whole damn thing. Like, yes, it's very possible. You could win the whole damn thing because you match up really well with everybody except Washington. But that's okay. All right, that's all right. Well, I still favored by four and a half, Rod. Still exactly. They're still favored because people see the talent. But we all know Washington, Texas. Matchup wise, this is probably of the, all the three teams you could face. This is the toughest of the matchups for Texas. That's I, a good I, I, they beat they beat Washington. Hmm. 
we all picking Texas to win it all, baby, no matter who they play. No matter. I agree. I agree. <laughs> hey, by the way, I want to say this. A former colleague of ours at On3, Matt Zenitz, um, and and, and, and ta- I think I would say working with him two years, take it to the bank. He's reporting Jeff Choate is Nevada's next head coach. Wow. And Matt Zenitz working with him two years, he doesn't put that out unless it's 100%. Okay. There you go. Got it. All right, uh, guys, I think that's going to do it for tonight. We appreciate it. Jason Renfro. Who do we think we're going to get out of the portal right now? We do not know. Texas, we do know, is going to try to get at least one or two receivers, uh, a tight end perhaps, a linebacker maybe, any kind of interior defensive line to add depth, possibly <laughs> a safety. That's what we got right now. All right, uh, that's going to do it for tonight. Appreciate you guys. Please like and subscribe for more of the best Longhorns coverage here. Uh, make sure you visit us at InsideTexas.com. If you are uh, got a chance and get over there, visit us on the message boards. Jerry and I are there each and every day. Uh, also, like and subscribe to On Texas Football uh, here on the Longhorn live stream. Uh, presented by Cross Oak Group on Sunday nights. We appreciate them as well. For Rod Babers, the former Longhorn great, and Jerry Hamilton, who knows recruiting more than anybody, I'm Bobby Burton. Guys, Texas in the college football playoff. Hook them. Hook them.